Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to today's podcast with our expert guest, Chloe McLeod. It is kindly brought to you by Future Farm Co, who aim to deliver plant-based foods to Australia and New Zealand, bringing the world's best brands of plant-based foods to your local store. You can find them on Instagram at Future Farm ANZ and on Facebook at Future Farm Co. Now, today's special guest, Chloe, is an expert in gut health, food intolerances, and sports nutrition. As an advanced sports dietitian and an accredited practicing dietitian, Chloe works with the Parramatta Eels National Rugby League squad and co-owns nutrition consultancy Health and Performance Collective. With over 10 years' experience in the industry, Chloe's expert knowledge provides sought-after ability to help her clients be their healthiest selves. With a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics at Flinders University and a Master's of Public Health at the University of Sydney, Chloe is passionate about helping individuals make positive changes to their lifestyle. Chloe has created a world-class online course, the FODMAP Challenge, helping individuals identify gut intolerance symptoms. I can't wait for you guys to hear both of these podcasts with Chloe. In the first one, we will talk about FODMAPs, sensitive tummies, prebiotics, and fueling your gut for performance. And in the second podcast with Chloe, we will discuss runner's gut and other gut-related exercise issues, along with strategies for stitches and cramping. You can find Chloe on social media at Chloe underscore McLeod underscore dietitian or at health underscore performance underscore collective. Now let's jump into today's podcast with Chloe. Welcome back, Chloe, to the podcast. I'm very, very excited to have you on. Now, these topics that we're going to chat to today about gut issues and exercise are things that I think a lot of people experience. So I'm really excited to have you back on today. Thank you so much for having me back on again as well, Leanne. I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic. Yeah. And Chloe did a wonderful podcast for us all around um, FODMAPs and the low FODMAP diet. So if you guys didn't catch that one, be sure to go and um, have a quick listen to that first. I recommend before launching into this one that we're going to talk about today around gut issues and exercise. So Chloe, you are a sports dietitian and you've given us a little bit of a sort of a background and an update on the work that you do. Um, But how many people do you see in your clinic, I guess, on a day-to-day basis that experience, I guess, gut issues in relation to exercise? So a a quite large proportion. So if I'm looking Mm -hmm. at the the split of the clients that I work with individually, the majority of them are either athletes or people with gut issues or people who have both of those things going on. So um, it's a really interesting area to work in and um, there's so many different facets to what can cause these gut issues with their exercise or that sensitive tummy with exercise. So um, nutrition can play a really important role in helping to manage that. So it's a very fun area to work in. Mm. Now I've got, I'm going to jump straight in here. We're going to start talking about bathroom issues straight away. My first question (laughs) for you is why do people need to use the bathroom as soon as they start running? And I'm one of those people as well. Like I'll be like, I'm just going to go run, you know, I'm not really a runner by trance, but when I was running a couple of years ago, I might be like, Oh, I'll go for a five or a six K run. And the minute that I start, I'm like, Oh my God, I need to use the bathroom. Why does that happen? So there's a, there's a couple of things that are going on there. So in part, it can be psychologically that there's mm-hmm. um, some, some stress around 
um, going for that run. But I think particularly, you know, people are doing a race and suddenly they're only ever getting symptoms when they're doing a running race. That is tend to, going to tend to be more of that psychological side of things. Um, but from a, from the other side of things, um, it can be around nerve endings. It can be around um, the, um, water being pulled into the gut. It can be around what's been eaten beforehand and the food you've been eating um, start to ferment and create gas. And as a result, your bowels then can need to evacuate quite urgently. And it can be a really not very enjoyable experience at all. Mm. So I'm going to break those little areas that we quickly touched on down a little bit more, if that's all right with you. Now, I know coffee for me was something that I was easily able to pinpoint. Coffee before running or exercise is kind of like a really no-no because it does sort of help to evacuate your bowels, as you mentioned. What is the effect that sort of coffee does have on our gut? You know, a lot of people do use it um, as sort of like a pre-workout or just to give them a bit of an energy hit before the bathroom. But if somebody finds that they are that's a little bit sensitive sensitive or it sort of causes them to be running to the bathroom mid-workout um sort of why is this and would you suggest an alternative at all for them yeah so um coffee is a stimulant because of the caffeine that it contains and through that stimulation it actually can stimulate your bowel to work and then with that um that extra stimulation that it's getting because of the exercise um that's when that urgent bowel motion can then sometimes happen so if you're finding that that's a problem for you, I would actually suggest to maybe, first of all, try doing the workout without any caffeine and see how you go. And if you're still then feeling like you need it or you would like to have some caffeine before the exercise, maybe try having a smaller amount. So whether it's instead of having like a whole coffee, maybe it's having half the coffee or maybe it's looking for for something which has caffeine in it, which has a smaller quantity of it. So there's heaps of different options on the market from like pre-workouts to caffeine strips to caffeine gum and, and different things. So some I found that some people who have got quite sensitive tummies from something like coffee, they might be able to tolerate something like the, the caffeine strip or the, the gum um, much better and then they're still able to get that caffeine mm-hmm. Um, as a result, but in, it's just getting it in a different way. Definitely, yeah. And would you say that for some people, the milk that they add into the coffee might also um, play a bit of an impact? I know we talked a little bit around food intolerances in our last podcast, but would you say perhaps trialing your coffee without any milk um, if people did think that they were a little bit sensitive to lactose or something? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth experimenting with, um, particularly if they are going out to do um, a, a longer session or a more, more high intensity session because of. Um, that the way that those carbohydrates that's, that are found in the milk, so the lactose, um, because that can be malabsorbed and when we're doing that higher intensity intensity or that longer endurance activity, sometimes we might find that we don't tolerate that quite so well. Hmm. And you mentioned, um, you know, blood flow, reduced blood flow to the gut, particularly around, I guess, endurance and high intensity exercise. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that as well? Yeah. So when we uh, say you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, and as you are running um, and your muscles are needing more blood flow, blood flow is then diverted away from your gastrointestinal system. As a result of that, it stops being as good at um, being able to digest anything. So say you're, you're out doing your half marathon training run or your marathon training run and you're, you're needing to consume some carbohydrate during that run. Sometimes what can then happen is it doesn't get digested so well and then that can leave you feeling quite upset in the stomach. So to give you an example, um, 
of a, a marathon runner, maybe they're doing their, you know, a 30K run. And so they're needing to consume um, like highly concentrated energy gels throughout that training run or throughout that race as a way of getting some carbohydrate. And so they've got enough energy to do the race. Sometimes people don't tolerate those so well. So we then need to look at other strategies of how to get that energy in. And it's because of that blood being diverted away and not then being able to digest the sugars quite as well. Mm, So you need, uh, I guess, quick digesting sugars um, so that your body's able to sort of utilize that energy quickly and get you through the rest of that run as well. But I guess you don't want them, as you mentioned, really highly concentrated or things that break down or might um, potentially malabsorb as well. Is that right? Yeah. So it's it's all about um, training your gut and practicing. So Mm -hmm. um, the the moniker that I like to go through is nothing new on race day. Um, So don't choose a different brand of gel or just like you wouldn't wear your running shoes on on race day, don't use something new on race day. So um, it's really important in your training runs to try your different gels or or whatever other nutrition you're going to be using in the race so that you know that you tolerate it really well. Um, I know that when I was marathon running, I I decided that I needed to to do some marathons because I was working with so many marathon runners just (laughs) so that I knew what it felt like. And I know that initially when I started using energy gels, I couldn't have more than half of one at a time or I'd get like a really upset stomach, really loose bowel motions. Mm-hmm. But over time, um, as I like, had them more, as I got better at running and, and having them at the same time as well, I over time I was able to then tolerate a whole one at the same time um, rather than having to have half one and sort of like try to tuck it back in my pocket and hope it didn't leak everywhere. And um, so, you know, it's, it's those things that you need to do, but um, practicing what you're going to have so that your gut is able to, to digest those sugars better when the blood is being diverted away. It does take some time, um, but it's certainly possible for that to happen. Mm, so you're saying that you can actually train your gut to adapt and to be able to digest these things over time. Yes, exactly. So, and it does take time. It's not a, oh, I'll do it a couple of times and I'm like, she'll be right. It's a mm-hmm. better, it's really important to be able to, to practice this in like quite a lot leading into the race. So starting mm-hmm. early um, is is one of the, the tips that I really like to give and starting early with your practice. But then also if you, if you are a marathon runner who's listening, starting early with your nutrition in the race as well. So rather than waiting until you're feeling fatigued and oh, I should probably have something now, start earlier on um, so that you're sort of front loading your nutrition. So whilst you're able to better digest those sugars or those carbohydrates, you're getting then getting more in and then back end of the race when you're not able to digest things quite as well. Um, yes, you still need to have something, but you won't hopefully be um, requiring as much or it's not going to have as big of an impact because you've got that um, better energy availability still there. Wonderful tip. Now, I know dehydration also plays a bit of an issue in terms of exercise and gut issues as well, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So um, when we're well hydrated, that helps our bowel be able to function effectively. Um, but when we're not, it, it starts to not be able to function so well. And again, that can then cause our bowels to, to need to evacuate. Even though we're dehydrated, it can still cause that urgent motion again. And um, unfortunately, not necessarily unfortunately, but when we're dehydrated, like chronically, that's more likely to cause constipation. But if we're dehydrated when exercising, particularly running or, or exercise that's putting um, impact on the bowel, it is more likely to then cause that urgent, more diarrhea-like type evacuation. 
Mm-hmm. which is probably a little bit confusing to some people if they're normally a little bit constipated, then the minute they start exercising, they're having more loose bowel motions. They're probably thinking, you know, what is actually going on? It's probably quite confusing, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, one of the tips that we give people who are constipated is let's incorporate more physical activity because it helps to get the bowel moving, which it does. But sometimes um, if we're dehydrated, then it can go too far the other way. And um, that's not a nice experience either. Mm, so proper hydration is key. Yes. <laughs> but perhaps for really sensitive people, maybe not with highly concentrated um, drinks, because that can also affect our, our gut and some, some GI issues as well, can't it? Yeah. So this comes back to that practice as well. So um, sports drinks do certainly have a place, but they are quite concentrated with carbohydrates. So try them out. And um, generally, the it's called the osmolality of, of a standard sports drink that you can buy from like the supermarket or you know the corner store. Um, they will, will have the correct osmolality that it's able to be digested quite well. I still recommend practicing, if, particularly if you're prone to having a quite sensitive stomach. Um, but if it's one that you're mixing up yourself, I would recommend um, following the recommendations on the packet or trialing yourself if you are wanting to make it more concentrated for some reason, because the more highly concentrated it is, the higher the risk of getting those symptoms. So a good example of this is like the gels I was talking about before, they're really highly concentrated and not technically a drink. Um, But I've I've got some clients who what they'll do is they'll take their gel and they'll actually mix it with a little bit of water to reduce how strong it is and they find that they can digest that a bit better. Mm -hmm. So if your drink is too concentrated, you're more likely to get symptoms. So um, be mindful of that and probably try to avoid it right before. Um, And if you're needing, if you're doing those really long sessions and you're needing that higher concentration, make sure that you practice what you're going to do. Wonderful. And now food, because food can have a huge impact on our GI um, sort of issues as well. And I know we talked about in our last podcast, a few intolerances and fermentable carbohydrates and that sort of thing. But something as simple as fiber can have a large impact on um, exercise as well, can't it? And symptoms that people might experience. Yeah. So there's, I think there's three key things that I would often be looking at here. So I guess three areas. So one of them is fiber. So if you're going out and doing a training session, I wouldn't recommend having a really high fiber meal right before because fiber helps to move things through the gut. And so again, that can then cause some of those, that upset stomach or those urgent bowel motions that we've been talking about. Um, One of the other ones is high fat meals. So high fat meals take a lot longer to digest. So that can leave you for sort of feeling quite heavy in your stomach and not feel so well for the exercise but also for some people high fat meals can actually exacerbate um, gut symptoms too so if you're somebody who finds that if they have a high fat meal they do get that sensitive stomach I'd recommend not doing that before high exercise or, or before exercise as well and then the other one is FODMAPs like we were speaking about in the last pod- podcast and um, this is something which uh, I would highly recommend you don't do without um, assistance from a dietitian but there's some really great research which has come out um, just last year now um, about going on a low FODMAP diet for 24 hours before your running event or your training that you're doing Mm -hmm. and because of that reduction of FODMAPs in your diet you're then able to modulate the impact that your gut symptoms might have um, as you're exercising. Now, the reason I say it's really important to work with someone for this is if you're trying to be low FODMAP for every training session throughout the week for 24 hours, but then also not be low FODMAP all the time, that can get really confusing and and mixed up. Mm -hmm. So really, really important to work with um, a a sports dietitian in this space because um, 
you know, as we spoke about in the last podcast, those prebiotic fibers are really important to include and we don't want to be low FODMAP all the time, but also you don't want to be experiencing those symptoms whilst you're exercising either. So finding the balance that works for you is, um, can be really, really helpful. Definitely. And I guess you keep touching on it, but I'm um, such a fan of this as well, linking in with a professional one-on-one, such as a sports dietitian, to really have that personalized plan for you as well. Like if you're experiencing symptoms or you're not achieving the results or the times that you want, actually linking in with a professional who can sort of take that outside view, who has all that knowledge and evidence as well, can be so helpful, isn't it? Like I think, you know, seeing a sports dietitian can sometimes, unless people are high level athletes, they sort of think, oh, I'm not sure if I need it or if it can really help me. But in particular, if you're experiencing, you know, gut symptoms during your exercise or you're just not performing how you want to, seeing a sports dietitian can be so helpful, can't it? That's exactly right. And, you know, it can it can be the difference between, you know, completing your training or completing your race or like completing your race and getting a PB and feeling amazing because you've got your nutrition right. And um, I, I, li- I like to think about it's um, something that Louise Burke said years ago she's I guess that one of the most well-known sports dietitians in Australia and Mm -hmm. and head of nutrition Mm -hmm. at the AIS is it's a bit like a cupcake so your training is the cake your nutrition's the icing on the cake and then your supplements are the sprinkles on the icing on the cake so good nutrition isn't going to help you run that marathon or get the PB in the gym the 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 training is absolutely essential but like as a part of that but the nutrition is really important to help you to get there in the best way possible and to help you to perform better so um i think too often people think too much about training only and not the role that good nutrition can play in performance benefits and so yeah getting that individualized help particularly if you're getting gut symptoms when you are exercising can be a real game changer Mm, definitely and you wouldn't want to go through all of that training in particular you know for something like a marathon if I was to ever run one which I don't think I would ever do but I'm sure I would need to train for at least a year to be able to get myself to that point that would I would absolutely hate to be able to get to race day and actually not even be able to finish because I was experiencing gut symptoms or just feeling so terrible throughout the run that I just physically you know couldn't even finish it yeah, and you know, sadly, that's that's the type of client that I see. Not sadly, because I like helping people, but <laughs> sadly for them, um, that's the type of client that walks through the door for me really regularly. Is people who um, haven't got the nutrition right. They've gone out to do, you know, whether it's a um, that half marathon or a hundred k race or, or somewhere in between, and haven't been able to complete it after putting, you know, hours and hours of training in because the nutrition hasn't been right on the day and they haven't been able, been able to fuel effectively. So, getting that right, it's um, again, it's a really satisfying place to be working because it can really help people with achieving their goals. Mm, definitely. Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I wanted to take less than a minute to kindly thank our generous sponsors, Future Farm Co. They aim to deliver plant-based foods to Australia and New Zealand, bringing the world's best plant-based brands to your local store, ensuring that you have greater variety and convenience and that your options for plant-based foods are always delicious. Their objective is to speak the facts, educate on sustainability and health, while also providing a simple and convenient solution to feed the world's population and improve the environment. You can find their many plant-based options to replace meat, chicken, seafood, dairy, and also desserts and sauces on their website, which is www.futurefarmco.com, or you can find them on Instagram at futurefarmanz or on Facebook at futurefarmco. Now let's get straight back to our podcast. Now, 
I wanted to sort of take a different sort of turn and talk about nerves and exercise because, again, that can definitely elicit some gut symptoms of some people. And we talked a little bit about how important stress management was in terms of gut symptoms on our last podcast because of sort of that gut brain um, link. What do you recommend for people who do feel extremely nervous before they exercise, whether that be, you know, a, a huge marathon or whether that just be going to the gym and doing their, you know, morning F45 class or something like that? If they're feeling that they get nerves and they almost feel physically unwell before they exercise because they're so nervous or anxious. And then they get those flow on gut, um, I guess, symptoms from there. What do you suggest for those sorts of people? So uh, I would suggest different things for both the scenarios that you mentioned. So for for the marathon runner, um, I would recommend for like, as they're preparing like before race day, get in a really great routine. So have shoes that you know, feel really great that you're running in, have if you're a female, like your favorite running sports bra, your favorite leggings or shorts and singlet that you're going to be wearing that you know they don't chafe, they feel really great and you feel really comfortable wearing those. The same thing with your nutrition, having a a go-to meal to eat the night before the race that you know never causes you an issue. Same thing with what you're going to be eating before the race on race day so that you're in a really good routine so that it's eliminating all of the sort of external things and that then I think because you're in a good routine, you're feeling confident in what you've done to prepare for the race, that can really help with reducing some of those nerves. It's normal to feel a little bit of nerves before something that you've been preparing for. I think, you know, regardless of if it's like exercise or, you know, you've got like a big work meeting or like presenting at a conference or something like that, it's normal to feel nervous because you care about it. You've been working hard towards achieving that. So um, not feeling nervous, I think, is probably not really, um, it's, you can't get rid of those nerves, but it's about managing them. And I think mm-hmm. having good routines that help you to feel confident are really helpful. Um, I like to recommend incorporating some meditation into that routine as well, because we know that that has such a positive impact on what's going on in your gut as well from a symptom reduction side of things. If you're somebody who's feeling more nervous just bef- because of going to the gym, then I'd actually be wanting to maybe dig into a little bit more around where where is that nerves and anxiety coming from? Is it that you're just nervous because you know it's going to be a hard class, or are you actually feeling physically nervous about doing the exercise? And is it maybe are you maybe not enjoying it, or is it maybe not an environment that you like being in? If it's that, then maybe reevaluating the type of ex- exercise you're doing or where you're doing it, um, because exercise should be enjoyed. It shouldn't be something that's causing such high level of anxiety um, for you but if it's more just I'm a bit nervous because I know my F45 class is going to be killer today um, again I'm taking a few deep breaths so literally three deep breaths breathing in counting to four breathing out counting to four can and doing that three times can go a really long way to help to calm you down help to relax you and then as a result that also helps to relax your gut as well to help with managing some of the symptoms as well. Definitely. Absolutely love it. Now I get asked this question a lot of the time and I don't really have, I guess, the the knowledge base to be able to answer it fully. So I'd love to ask you it. And it's really around um, stitches. So a lot of people say to me, you know, I go out for a run, but I always get a stitch. I don't know whether I should eat before, drink before, drink during, you know, eat during that sort of thing. I guess, why do people get stitches? And is there anything that can assist with, um, I guess, getting stitches during exercise or cardio based um, sessions? Yeah, so it's a really good question and I can't give you a straight answer. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of different things that 
may contribute to getting a stitch. So being dehydrated, um, not eating the right fuel, um, being underfueled, um, being deconditioned, being just physically tired or fatigued, all of these things can contribute to getting a stitch. There hasn't been shown to be one individual specific cause. Um, I think one of the things that I see a lot is people going, oh, I've got a stitch, I need to up my magnesium. Yeah, it might help also might not help Mm -hmm. so um you know there's generally no harm however if you're having a load of magnesium that can actually cause diarrhea so i recommend not doing that right before you're exercising Mm -hmm. um but there's there's a number of things that you can do to help reducing the risk of getting that stitch so fueling well for the training you're doing ensuring you're getting enough rest ensuring that you're well hydrated and doing adequate training and taking it up a notch step by step rather than going from zero to 100 um, all of those things are going to help with reducing the risk. Um, but unfortunately, there's nothing that can guarantee that it's not going to occur at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And those strategies sound very similar to what you might suggest for somebody who might get cramping, particularly around the magnesium. A lot of people yeah. say, you know, can I take magnesium for cramping? Again, I haven't really found any research to support that that does have a beneficial effect. Probably yeah. won't harm a lot of people, but as you said, it can contribute to looser bowel motions as well in higher amounts. So yeah, they exactly. seem similar strategies, aren't they, for cramping and stitching, you'd say? Yeah, they are. A couple of other things to, to look at, particularly if it's, um, uh, I haven't specifically looked at this for cramping but oh sorry for stitches but for cramping um using pickle juice so there's a number of different brands on the market there's there's one called pickle juice there's cramp fix and and there's a a bunch of others um or you can literally get like the juice from your jar of gherkins or your pickled onions in the fridge um and because it's it's made from vinegar and the research has shown that it helps to shock your olfactory nerve and they think that that's what then helps the cramp to stop so it's quite effective um, if you're actually cramping to stop the cramp. There's some um, anecdotal evidence that consuming it, and when I say consuming, um, just to, to highlight, I'm not meaning swallow, swish it around your mouth for about 10 seconds and then spit. You don't have to swallow the vinegar, <laughs> thankfully. Um, that would be horrible. horrible. <laughs> um, probably cause some more gut issues. Um, <laughs> but there's some really great um anecdotal evidence that it may help with reducing the risk of cramping as well okay um another strategy that i've used sometimes more with ultra endurance athletes is salt tablets but again that's something that i would be speaking with your sports dietitian about because we get lots of salt in our diet and it's not always or often a necessary strategy but it's something that sometimes i've been found i have found can be a helpful thing to use Definitely, particularly if they're sweating um, excessively as well or in really hot sort of climates, but probably not for your weekend soccer game or something like that. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> please don't do that for your weekend soccer game. <laughs> the pickle juice is a really interesting um, a really interesting thing because my brother actually used to get um, cramps when he used to just play socially soccer with um, his mates on, you know, a Saturday and that sort of thing. And he used to take magnesium and I sort of said to him, you know, there's not really much evidence for it. I think it's really around a bit more of the deconditioning because he didn't play for sort of three seasons and he'd jump yeah. in and try to play like a level for like a season or something and he just always sort of end up cramping up during the game so I think that's more due to deconditioning than than anything else (laughs) um but I mean still the the pickle juice could help in that situation with stopping the cramps um but Mm -hmm. like in real time or acutely but um 
training more often will also help in that situation as well. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody is experiencing a cramp during maybe, um, a, you know, a soccer game for, to keep going with that example, actually just taking the pickle juice, swirling it around your mouth for what, 10 seconds or yeah. something, and then just spitting it can actually really help to reduce the severity yeah. of the cramp or stop it all yeah. together. So it, it may stop it all together. Um, and, um, often it will, um, but at least it should reduce the severity of the cramp. So, yeah, it's um, it's quite amazing that the first time that I heard about it was um, I mentioned Louise before. Um, she was actually talking about it at a an SDA conference, and she was talking about how um, it had been after one of the Olympics. I feel like it must have been Beijing, but I can't remember now um, which exact Olympics it was. But they it was a lot hotter than they were expecting, and so they were actually going to the McDonald's that was within the athletes village and getting like their jars of pickle juice that they'd been from the pickles they'd been putting in their burgers for the day. And um, they were using that with their, like that pickle juice with their athletes at the Olympics. And um, yeah, it worked really well. And that was the first time I heard about that. It was a lot of years ago now. And um, it's making me sound really old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, been recommending it to athletes ever since and it's it's phenomenal um how well it can work so yeah it's, it's certainly one I like to suggest wonderful I've never heard that before so guys you heard it here first from Chloe herself pickle juice <laughs> may just save your life or at least save you from cramping <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Now, the last issue, uh, the last thing I really wanted to pick your brains um, around, Chloe, was um, foods before exercising. If somebody does have a particularly sensitive gut, now I'd love to get your um, recommendations for somebody who might be more of a high level athlete who might do be doing, you know, um, half marathons or triathlons or something. And then just versus our um, general population like myself, who just like exercising for fun and enjoyment, who might go do um a gym session or a CrossFit class or something like that, or a park run on the weekend. What are some suggestions that you recommend in terms of pre-workout foods that are pretty safe? Um, they're not going to give us too many gut symptoms, that sort of thing. Yeah. So my go-to is a banana. And the reason for that is they're a rich source of carbohydrate. The average banana has around 30 grams or slightly less carbohydrates in there, um, along with um, a lot of potassium. So it's one of the electrolytes as well. So it's usually pretty readily digested too. Mm -hmm. So there is fiber, but that's not too high in fiber. So I find that's often um, a really good place to start. So particularly for like your more um, weekend warrior type athlete or somebody who's um, doing parkrun or going to the gym, Mm -hmm. It's a really easy, convenient way to be to be getting something in. Now, if you're doing a, a longer session um, or um, uh, have a higher training volume throughout the week and need to have a little bit more food, um, then it doesn't have to be a banana. Um, it could be banana if you wanted it to, but build other things in. So um, one of my favourites to recommend is a smoothie. So some fruit, your choice of milk, and then some oats. And I will always like to suggest if you tolerate the coffee, okay, a shot of coffee in there as well. Um, that way you're getting everything in, in there all at once. Um, if you're, say, driving to somewhere where you're going to be doing, say, you're doing a, a run with some friends along the beach or something like that, then you can drink it in the car on the way there um, or you can drink it as you're getting ready at home. So it's really, you don't have to sort of sit down and have it. It's just you can sip on it as you go. Um, or maybe it's like some toast with some honey, um, some, some muesli and some yogurt can work really nicely as well. So you can see that the things I'm suggesting are, are all foods which are quite rich in carbohydrate, a bit of protein there, but the carbohydrate is the more important nutrient. Mm -hmm. um, if you are somebody who 
is needing to um, be mindful of the, the more sort of FODMAP side of things like I touched on before, then the just right banana is a good way to go or choosing something like a, um, a low FODMAP cereal, so one that um, is maybe made from, from quinoa or sorghum or something like that um, or a smaller amount of oats with maybe some blueberries, um, maybe it's some lactose-free milk or yogurt as well um, or maybe it's like some almond or soy milk instead mm-hmm. so um, there's lots of different options there of things that you can have and I, I do think it's a bit of trial and error to see what works for you the things that I've mentioned are probably the most the things that are the most popular that I've seen people find work well in general but if none of those things work and you're like um, maybe it's having some potato for example before you're heading out because it tends to sit really well or maybe it's like some some rice or something like that again whatever works for you choose something which is rich in carbohydrate is the most important thing and then just checking the timing as well so if you're training first thing in the morning probably don't want to be getting up super early just so that you can eat so choosing something which is a bit smaller that you can have a bit closer to the start of the exercise and that's part of where that banana recommendation has come from um, because it it is a bit smaller it is quite convenient but maybe you're training like in the afternoon um, and you you have a little bit more time to have a larger meal beforehand so making your say it's making your lunch richer in carbohydrate that's where maybe maybe having like some some salmon or or some eggs or something like that for some protein but then there's some some potato or some rice or some other really carbohydrate rich food that's a big part of that lunch meal too mm-hmm. and would you say sort of as a general guide um, if you're going to eat a main meal as the meal before your exercise sort of around that two hours before you exercise but if it's more of a snack maybe 15 20 minutes before you're about to exercise yes yeah, so uh, so two to two to three hours before for the main meal and mm-hmm. um, I think is ideal just to give it that little bit of extra time to digest particularly if you've got that sensitive stomach and then yeah if it's a smaller more snack type thing that could be anything from sort of 15 minutes up to sort of 45 minutes beforehand that can work really nicely as well wonderful and then lastly are you a big fan of um training with some fuel on board of course i always recommend that if they're more those high level athletes that sort of thing but just for people who are generally exercising for health and weight loss benefits are you a fan of doing sessions faster or are you more a fan of um doing sessions with some fuel on board because there's a lot of um I guess I get so many questions about people saying you know I only like training fasted at you know 6am in the morning or something and then you know people are trialing intermittent fasting and that sort of thing so as a general um I guess rule would you sort of say that you're more of a fan of exercising with fuel on board or are you happy for people to go into sessions um fasted sometimes as well it, d- it depends on the session and what mm. it, what the person's trying to achieve from the session so if it's purely cardio based and it's a shorter session so say they're um, going for a run and they're going out for 30 to 45 minutes do that Mm -hmm. faster no problem like that that shouldn't be an issue but if you're trying to head out for a longer run or if you're doing more of a a high intensity session that's got like weights included in it as well then I don't think I I wouldn't recommend doing that fasted because um, having that fuel on board will help you to be able to perform in the session um but also if you do those types of sessions fasted, you're actually more likely to end up using your muscles as a source of fuel if you don't have enough stored fuel in your muscles already. And that's sort of working against what you're trying to achieve as well. And the other thing is if you're doing the session for, for performance, so if you're trying to push yourself as hard as you possibly can, I wouldn't recommend doing that fasted either. So there certainly is the, a place for fasted training, um, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not a – just do your morning session fasted and 
then you're fine. It's that's not quite how it works, unfortunately. <laughs> mm, a lot more comes into play. That's great because that's exactly what I recommend as well. So good to hear that yeah, we're on the same exactly. page there. But it really is about what goal you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to hit that PB? Are you trying to hit a you know squat as heavy as you can? Versus are you just going out for a five k run, which you could run with your eyes closed because it's something that you enjoy and you do all of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Wonderful. Chloe, I better let you go. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking a little bit more about performance and gut health issues and sensitivities. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you back on today. It's been lots of fun. Can you tell our listeners at home where they can find you on social media? Can they email you? Do you do consultations online if, say, somebody's listening from America or um, from Perth or something like that? Because you're Sydney-based, aren't you? Yes, I am. So um, you can find me on social media uh, on Instagram. So Chloe underscore McLeod underscore dietitian um Mm -hmm. or we spoke about one of my businesses in the last podcast but my my other business is called health and performance collective and its instagram is health underscore performance underscore collective um or if you um wanted to like you can get in touch with me on instagram or if you head to the health and performance collective website which is literally healthandperformancecollective.com um and you'll be able to get in touch with me via email on there. Um, yes, I do online consultations. So I actually work with quite a lot of people all over the place. Um, and online consultations is actually all I'm doing um, at the moment. I'm not, not seeing clients um, in person um, due to having my baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's making life a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, if people are interested, please get in touch and yeah, thanks so much for having me. Definitely. And Chloe is an absolute wealth of knowledge guys. So if you would love to have her as your dietitian or get in contact with her for an online consultation, I highly, highly recommend it. You will not regret it. Um, that's if you're a weekend warrior and you just like exercising or if you're quite a high level athlete, Chloe has a wealth of experience with both of those subtypes of people and also with gut health issues as well. So she'd be a great place to, um, touch base with and book in a consultation with her. So I'll link your social and your website in the show notes as well if anybody wants to go and check that out but thank you so much for coming back on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure no worries thanks so much for having me leanne it's been loads of fun 